Hey, what's up, everyone? Greetings from the Big Apple, New York City. Um, welcome to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. I'm Matt Hofeld, and I am flying solo this week. Um, not Rich DeCray's fault at all, more my fault because of the travel schedule and the inability to schedule a time for the two of us to get together and uh, sit down and record these things. But... So much pressing. I mean, the spring game has come and gone. Spring football has shut down. All the attention now is focused with football. You're looking at recruiting and prognosticating for uh, going into the summer and those summer battles. Spencer Rattler throwing footballs in trash cans from on top of a mountain. Oklahoma fans want him in Norman. They want to see him in this quarterback mix. I don't think he will be. I think that's a done deal. We'll get to that. Baseball, softball, now they're heading, uh, you know, headlong into the home stretch of their seasons. Uh, Oklahoma's softball seems to be a lock to host not just a regional, but a super regional the way they are playing. I hope I just didn't jinx them. Baseball still struggling a little bit, uh, we'll, and we'll talk about that. But the main story is, and it always will be with Oklahoma, and I'm I'm completely okay with that. The main story is football, football, football. Oklahoma moves the spring game from Saturday to Friday uh, because of weather, um, and it was a smashing success. 50,000-plus in attendance. It was a big, big, big recruiting weekend already. The Sooners have seen some commitments come out of that weekend. I'll tell you a little bit about that here in just a minute. But the 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 story coming from just the atmosphere in the crowd and the moving for to Friday night is that there is legitimate talk growing of this becoming a Friday night affair moving forward. I mean, and it's kind of one of those things when you look at you look back at Oklahoma football, you look back at the history, the nostalgia, the tradition of this program for them not to have ever approached this on a Friday night is just kind of amazing to me that it's never, I I don't know. I mean, I never thought about it. And you, you always, you always associate college football with the day of Saturday, right? I mean, it's just, that's, that's the day that everybody seems to do college football. And that's the traditional day. It's like NFL on Sunday, but you have that exception. You've got Monday night football and with college, you have the exception with the, the Thursday night football, but but that said, Friday night, man, Friday night was magical in Norman, and I think you're going to hear rumblings and rumors and and thoughts of this moving forward continue to be a Friday night deal. Now, let's talk about the game itself. Um, this is a game that was the story, the main storyline, and, and again, if I'm wrong, if I'm off on this, man, hit us up. Send us, a, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Uh, you can always send us a, a message, Heartland underscore Sports, Heartland underscore Sports at Yahoo.com, or just drop a message uh, on our podcast thread at Heartland-Sports.com because I want to know. I want to know your thoughts on this. But to me, the storyline, storyline was the quarterbacks. Uh, you had all this talk coming in to this game that uh, Tanner Mordecai was absolutely in a quarterback competition with Jalen Hurts. But the reality is, I mean, with all due respect to Tanner Mordecai, uh, I think the kid has uh, an upside. I think he has a future, but there's no competition there. There's, I mean, this is undoubtedly, this is Jalen Hurts team. And, and 
I, I, that, that to me, that also means that there's no competition when Spencer Rattler gets here. Spencer Rattler, I think is talented. And, and I, I am, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to press through the 2019 season because I think it could be a really good season. Oklahoma is still loaded offensively. When you talk about the receivers that they still have, Grant Calcaterra, C.D. Lamb, uh, you know, Charleston Rambo, and then you put all this talent that's in this influx of talent around those receivers. And then, and then you've got the, the running backs, Oklahoma's offensive line. We'll, we'll break into that here in a minute as well, but Oklahoma's offensive line and, and what they have, Man, this is a talented offense um, that's going to score points. It's going to continue to score. Uh, they're they're going to be the Big 12 favorites. They're going to be favorites to uh, to make the Final Four. There's going to be talk, and there should be, of Jalen Hurts being in New York City uh, for for the Heisman Trophy presentation. There's no way. There's just no way. As as talented as I believe Spencer Rattler is, there's no way he's coming in to unseat Jalen Hurts. So Oklahoma fans have all that to look forward to this fall. But man, a year from now, holy cow. When you have Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai battling a true quarterback battle to take over that the the what has been a string of back-to-back-to-back Heisman Trophy caliber quarterbacks, that is going to be a fun off season. It's going to be a fun spring. It's going to be a fun summer where we won't know who Oklahoma's starting quarterback is until right before the 2020 season begins, I believe. But for right now, for right now, this is Jalen Hurts' team. And there's there's nothing that's going to change that. If for all intensive purposes, you know, this quarterback battle was just something that was on paper. It was something that you want to, anytime you have a, a guy coming in, you want him to be motivated. You have a guy who's already here. You want him to be encouraged. And so to motivate the guy coming in, you say, you're going to have to come in. And these are the things that you're going to have to do. These are the things you're going to have to show me. I know what you did at Alabama. I know how good you were. I know what I know about your reputation. I know all of that stuff. But when you get to campus, and you get with this team, here's what I need to see from you. That's the conversation that was had with Jalen Hurts. And with a guy like Tanner Mordecai, you want him to be encouraged. Hey, we're, we're bringing in this kid, man. This is, this is a national profile quarterback. Everybody, everybody knows him. Jalen Hurts is a household name. Tanner Mordecai is not. Tanner Mordecai is a household name amongst Sooner Nation. But you go to, you go to uh, oh, well, let's just take, you go to Alabama. And you say, who is... Tanner Mordecai, they're going to be like, I have no idea. You go to, I mean, you look, you could probably go to Stillwater. You could probably go to Austin, Texas. They're going to know Jalen Hurts, but they're not going to know Tanner Mordecai. So how do you keep that guy motivated? How do you keep him focused? I mean, I'm going to put you up against the best. I'm going to put you up against Jalen Hurts, and I'm going to let you have the opportunity to show me what to do. I'm going to let you have the opportunity to show me what you can do. And then we'll go from there. Well, that's that's what happened through the spring, and the end result well, the end result was Jalen Hurts going 11 for 14, 174 yards, averaging 15.8 yards per pass and a touchdown. Now, Tanner Mordecai wasn't awful, but he only 50, 50% pass completion rate, 12 of 24, 150 yards. He did have a score. We need to talk about that score, by the way. He did have a score, but he also had the only interception thrown by quarterbacks on the day. Now, I, I've heard, I saw on Twitter, I heard on the radio, people talking about Tanner Schaefer and really coming in there late and how impressive he looked. But look, come on, 
Let's 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 be honest. This this was between Tanner Mordecai and Jalen Hurts. Tanner Schaefer, with all due respect, he's a distant third, and he remains a distant third following this spring game. And and then the truth is, I mean, if we're going to be honest, when when Spencer Rattler gets here, Tanner Schaefer becomes a distant fourth in this com- in this conversation. But this, this this game was about the quarterback. There there was not. Well, I'm, I mean, his parents are probably there, so I'm, I'm not going to say. I started to say there was not a single person, but there were maybe a few outside of a handful, a handful of people. There was no one there. No one bought a ten dollar ticket to see Tanner Mordecai. Fifty fifty thousand people bought ten dollar tickets to see Jalen Hurts. That tells you what you need to know. It, this looked every bit like a seasoned veteran quarterback. Going up against the kid who's really getting his first significant moment in the spring. That that's that's what this that's what this looked like. And everything from the poise in the in the in the in the uh in the huddle, the poise in the pocket, knowing when to run, knowing when to just buy time, everything. I mean, think about the photo. I'm surely you've seen the photo by now where where Jalen Hurts keeps it. Scores a touchdown, runs to the center of the end zone with everyone around him, and they kind of fo- pose for a photo. And then afterwards, he talked about how that's something they really couldn't have done uh, in in Alabama, but now he's here in Oklahoma. Different different program, different rules, different different focus, so to speak. All of that, every every ounce of that says, every ounce of that says, this is Jalen Hurts' team. Now that that Lincoln Riley says that when they're 100% confident. They're going to make the announcement. That announcement's coming soon. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. So, if Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback, where does that leave everybody else? Well, I mean, spring will, will close with Tanner Mordecai being number two. And the battle, truthfully, I talked about that battle next year, 12 months from now, next spring, between Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler. That begins now. That begins right now. Spencer Rattler wrapping up his his uh, his high school days. He's coming to Norman. Was in Norman for a week over spring break here for the spring game on Friday night. I mean that, that battle's going on now. He the, he was Spencer Rattler had more access to practice than the media did. Spencer Rattler was in those quarterback rooms. I mean he's he's signed. He's a member of this team. So every, right now it's all about getting his body ready and getting his head ready and his mind ready. As soon as he steps foot on campus. In June, everything else becomes comes into play there. So that that's where he is on that. Now, now the, the second biggest story, in my opinion, is still on the offensive side of the ball. And, and I know everyone's talking talk about Alex Grinch and so forth, but the second biggest story of this of the spring game was the offensive line. Because again, every when you think Oklahoma, you think offense. Yeah, we we there is a lot of work to do on the defense, and Alex Grinch kind of gets. You know, he gets his share of the storyline here. But this offensive line coming coming together, that that's that's a big deal. And after the game, you know, Lincoln Riley stated that Jalen Hurts had the two first team tackles and that Tanner Mordecai had the ter- first team guards as of right now. So if, if that's true, if, if that's if what he said is is true. What that means is that at the present moment, Oklahoma's offensive line looks like this. At left tackle, you're going to have Eric Swenson. Left guard, you're going to have Marquise Hayes. Everyone knows Creed Humphreys, the, the man in the middle. 
And then at right guard, Tyrese Robinson, and right tackle, Adrian Ely. You've got four redshirt sophomores and one redshirt junior in that mix. I like If those are the five best right now, I love the fact that they're young. Because I think they're going to be good. Uh, we, we should know enough about Bill Bedenboe by now. He doesn't just throw guys out there for the sake of throwing guys out there. These guys develop. They learn how they learn their technique. They, they learn their schemes. They, they, they develop that. They, they, they gain that just that, that edge, that nasty edge. And, and there's people out there talking, and I, I get it, but there's people talking about, well, I mean, they're just so young and they're so inexperienced. How can they have that edge? Look at Creed Humphrey. I mean, Creed, Creed Humphrey was a redshirt freshman. He was a year younger than these guys. And you don't think he had that edge? You, you don't think he played with that, that degree of nasty? He absolutely did. Absolutely he did. And now he goes in as a redshirt sophomore, the same age as these other guys. And he's going to be the leader. I mean, even if it holds, I don't, I don't believe it's going to hold this way. But even if it did hold, and you got Marquise Hayes as a, as the, uh, sorry, um, you got Eric Swenson as a redshirt junior. And he's the leader of this offensive line as years wise. Redshirt junior means he's going, he's in his fourth year on campus. He's going to be looking up to Creed Humphrey. He's going to be asking Creed Humphrey what to do. Because Creed Humphrey's the leader of this offensive line. And, and uh, you know, uh, there's four guys that are going to have their names called next week in the NFL draft. That's a given. But I, I don't know. I mean, Cody Ford was nasty. I, I, I love watching Cody Ford play. But I, I'm not convinced that Creed Humphrey wasn't the nastiest of all of them. And that's what's going to come into play here with this Oklahoma offensive line as it develops. Here, here's another thing. I like the fact that they're young. And then I like the fact, I love the fact that they're big. Swenson goes 6'5", 315. Hayes goes 6'5", 351. Humphrey, 6'5", 325. Tyrese Robinson, 6'3", 332. And Ely, 6'6", 328. These guys are big. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna be a mess. So I think that was, I think the, the development of the offensive line, where that group stands out now, the reason I think that's the second biggest storyline is because it doesn't matter how talented your receivers are, how talented your running backs are. It doesn't matter how talented, you know, how talented your quarterback is. If you can't block, if you can't open holes, if you can't make a way, then, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the talent around you is like. You, you gotta, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to set the foundation for the offense and that's what the offensive line does, and that's why I think it's a big deal. And that's the second leading storyline. I think that when you when you get to the third storyline, uh, you're talking about the defense now. And unfortunately, it's not a positive conversation. I, I told you we'd come back to that touchdown pass from Tanner Mordecai to um, to uh, who who did he hit? All of us. I, I can't remember. Suddenly, um, it's going to come to me. oh Lee Morris. He hit Lee Morris on on that touchdown pass. Um, but here's the thing. We can start with a throw. It was it was a, a an off throw. It was it was behind him. Lee Morris makes a CD Lamb type grab, reaching behind him to get it. But then what happens next? Let's let's play that in our head, if you will, or if you want to go look it up, let's play that. Let's play that. What happens next? Fantastic catch by Lee Morris. Do you know what the very next thing is that happens? Oh yeah, that would be a missed tackle. It's a missed tackle. And then you know what happens after missed tackle? Bad angles, 
So that was the longest pass play of the game, the longest touchdown of the game. And it was incorporated. I mean, think about this. Okay, let's put it, let's put this into perspective. Longest touchdown of the game, right? Off of a bad pass and a fantastic catch. The biggest factor, the biggest contributing factor to this Lee Morris touchdown was a missed tackle and bad angles. Now I'm not I'm not at all. I'm not at all jumping on Alex Grinch. Okay, so don't 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 look into this more uh, than than what's there. All I'm saying is that this this reinforces what I have been saying all along about this defense. I mean, I I love I love Alex Grinch's philosophy. I love the aggressiveness. I I want him to, I want him to to force turnovers. I mean, I like what he's bringing to the table. It is a new mindset. But here's the thing. It's the same players. And anybody who thought that a month a month into this program, I mean, I heard people, I heard people after the game, I saw it on Twitter, just ripping this defense. Why would your expectations have been different at this point? Why? You've got a, a defensive coordinator who's been on staff for just over a month. You've got less than three weeks of actual scrimmage practice classroom time with these guys how would you expect it to be drastically radically different now after that short time now it'll get better by august but the reality is this defense isn't going to take shape into the defense that alex grinch wants it to be it's not going to take shape into that what oklahoma fans expect it to be for a couple of seasons, because you have, and I've said this, I, I mean, I've said it since day one, I said it, I said it when they fired Mike Stoop, so I've been saying this for a while, you're going to have to purge this defense, you're, there's going to have to be a turnover in the roster, and there's some young guys that are coming in that are going to play into that factor, we're going to talk about that later on, but when you, the third storyline is, with the defense, there's a lot of work to be done. There's still a, a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of things that are on the line for this defense. A lot of people um, that haven't got the basic fundamentals down that they need. They're behind on technique. And I mean, I, I know you gotta you gotta implement schematics. I get that. You gotta implement a shift in philosophy and, and mentality. I get that. But man, you, you, Alex Grinch and his staff have a lot of work cut out for them when it comes to just teaching technique. Missed tackle, bad angles. Lee Morris, 54 yards for a touchdown. That's the third storyline, and it's um, it's not a positive one for the defense. But that said, I wasn't expecting to see much of a difference with this defense. And and really, if anybody was, they're going to come away extremely disappointed. Because there was only one takeaway. And there was a bunch of missed tackles. That looked a lot like Oklahoma's 2017, uh, 2018, well, 2017 as well. So what we saw in 2017 is what we saw in 2018. And you're going to see that. I mean, you're going to see that early in 2019. Oklahoma fans need to be prepared for that. I'm not the sky is falling type of guy. I, I think they're, I, they've got the right coaching guys there. But they are going to need to change personnel. 
And there's just, I mean, if you still had doubts about that, then this spring game should have answered those for you. At, and again, I, I again, I, I don't, I, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer coming out of spring, but that's it is what it is. Listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports. Heartland-Sports is where we are on the web. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland. I'm Matt Hofeld flying uh, flying solo. Um, so you want to? We're going through the, the storylines of the uh, Oklahoma Spring. The top storyline, Jalen Hurts. Uh, this number two storyline to me is the development of the offensive line. Uh, number three, defense still has a lot of work to do, particularly with the with the secondary. And then number number four, I mean, this wide receiver group, they they lived up to the hype. The, this wide receiver group, they are deep and they are talented. And if if you're a fan of offensive football, then you have to be a fan of of this wide receiver group. I mean, Lee Morris, obviously, with that um, with that 54 yard touchdown, yeah, he, he he led Oklahoma's wide receivers. But I mean, right behind him was Bridges, and then Weiss. Um, Stogner was three catches, 41 yards. Weiss with two touchdowns. I mean, the, these guys, they looked the part and they don't. And here's the thing. People have been talking about them since they got on campus. They've been talking about them since the opening of spring practice. They do not look like freshmen. They don't. Their their body does not look like a freshman body. Their their skill set as far as the way they run the routes, their their physicality, the way they create space to catch passes, they don't. They they don't look like freshmen. And Oklahoma fans saw them Friday night for the first time with with their own eyes, and they did not play like freshmen. Now again, they they got more reps than your average Joe, because there's no point in really there's no point in really exposing Ceedee Lamb. And there's no point exposing him to injury. There's no point. Oklahoma fans have seen CeeDee Lamb. They they know what he can do. We've seen less of Charleston Rambo, but we know what he can do. And there's no point in exposing him for that. So th- there's no point. I mean, Charleston Rambo had his, really, his coming out party was in the Orange Bowl against Alabama. And you think about that third quarter touchdown, or was it fourth quarter? I don't know. That long touchdown pass from Kyler Murray. Um, that's where he kind of showed you know, kind of showed what he can do and who he is. And we absolutely know what Grant Calcutta can do. So, so those guys, you, you want to give them limited reps because everybody from the coaching staff to the, um, everybody from the coaching staff to the fan base, they, they know what they're getting there. But I mean, there has been a lot of hype around Austin Stogner, a lot of hype around Trajan Bridges, a lot of hype around Jaden Hoselwood. That's who they wanted to see. They wanted to see those guys pair up with these quarterbacks. They wanted to see them make plays, and they did. And 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 I, I think, you know, you got that redshirt rule where they can play four and still redshirt. I don't see how these guys don't play four. And and depending on how everything shakes out, I mean, you got Nick Baskin back, and that's good. He had a good night. But depending on how everything shakes out, I mean, Baskin with four catches, 50 yards. Depending on how that all shakes out, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of these guys, maybe all four of them, see more than their four, their their four games and and burn that red shirt. So that's kind of where that's where that is. I mean, that's the number four storyline. And and you think about um, 
you know, the talent. I mean, it just, it's, it's literally when it comes to Oklahoma football and recruiting on the offensive side of the ball, it's, it's one of those rich get richer situations every year since Lincoln Riley's been here. And last week on the podcast, you know, Rich, Rich is with me and uh, we went through the, the, the depth of these wide receivers and, and we, we looked at, I mean, can this guy play immediately? Yes. Can this guy play immediately? Yes. Can this guy play immediately? Yeah. And we, we like came up with like 11 guys that with confidence, we think they can play immediately. Well, you can't put 11 out there. You gotta, you gotta have five offensive linemen. You gotta have a quarterback. You gotta have a running back. So the, the the struggle now becomes for this Oklahoma coaching staff is to balance these guys. Now, I, I think it's given that this is the last year of CeeDee Lamb. I mean, I, I don't think anybody expects him to be back after this season. Most likely, it's the last season for Grant Calcaterra. I don't expect there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people that are they're thinking he's going to be back next year. So you got to keep these guys happy. You got to develop them. You got to get them ready for 2020. And part of that is going to be at least getting them in the action in four games this fall. And I think, like I said, I think for some of them, it's going to be more than four because these guys, particularly Stogner, but I think the other guys, they've got the, they're, they're so far ahead of the curve where your average freshman comes on campus. They're so far ahead of that, that these guys are going to be on campus for three years. Regardless of whether you redshirt them or not, they're on campus for three years, in my opinion. That's that's how I am uh, with these guys in this moment right now. Listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. Matt Hofeld flying solo. All right. Uh, welcome back, Sooner Nation podcast. Um, look, I, I made a um, – I either made a, a good move or a bad move or an indifferent move. I don't know. Uh, Matt Hofeld flying solo today. Um, uh, look, if you've ever been to New York City, this is what you know. Uh, this city is one of the noisiest cities in the world. Uh, the area I was recording from, got some kids playing. And uh, probably, you probably heard them in the background. And I was like, how did I get away from those kids? Oh, well, here's another room. I'll go in this room. And now I got to deal with the construction noises uh, that are going on. So if you hear hammering and drilling and power tooling, uh, I'm not building a cabinet while I'm recording this podcast. But you find me a quiet place in New York City to record a podcast, and that's that's where I'll go. Uh, breaking down Oklahoma spring game, Oklahoma spring football coming to a conclusion. Um, and really, uh, they're, they're, I'm kind of trying to rank the storylines coming out of spring. You've got, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, ranking in with Jalen Hurts, uh, quarterback battle number one, uh, offensive line number two, uh, defensive uh, missed tackles and the progress that needs to be made on the defense number three, um, and then the receiving core number four. And then last but certainly not least, looking at uh, going back to the defensive side of the ball man I loved I love what I saw from the defensive tackles I love what I saw from this defensive line um I love the fact that these guys are kind of moving around, uh, shooting gaps, trying to penetrate, trying to uh, make plays in the backfield. They 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 have the ability where they're slimmed down. I don't know if you had a chance to see Neville Gallimore, um, but man, you, this guy has transformed his body. I'm not 100% sure how much weight uh, Neville Gallimore has lost. But he looked different uh, shooting the gaps. He looks faster on his feet, um, you know, and, and I just that's that's what you want. 
you want these guys to be able to disrupt a quarterback. You want them to be able to make a play in the backfield that really kind of, you know, makes a quarterback get rid of the ball a second or two early, uh, makes a makes a running back stop and change directions. And then it really lets your, your linebackers clean up the mess. Uh, when you talk about the running backs, it allows your your defensive secondary to break on the ball uh, when the quarterback has to throw early. Um, because I mean, what you want defensively, honestly, is you want that you don't want the quarterback going to his third option. You want him to have to go to an option number one or option number two. And, and d- depending on how you schematically line up against the defense option, number one and option number two are kind of, uh, they're, they're easy. They're, they're easy to get to where, where your quarterback has, has a, a fun time and where a defense has a hard time is when you're looking at options number three and option number four and option number five, because by the time a quarterback gets to option number three and option number four, he's had an eternity in the pocket, an eternity in the pocket. And that's usually when you, when you see quarterbacks who have are able to stand comfortably in the pocket for three or four plus seconds, the majority of the time it is a 10 plus yard pass play a lot of times it's a it's a home run because he's got so much time and those defensive backs are just trying to run whether they're playing zone or man it's just not possible it's just not possible to defend that long and having the defensive linemen slim down where they can shoot the gaps and now all of a sudden your 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 offensive linemen when they take that drop step on pass protection they're gonna have to drop step and slide and that, that's it's it's a lot easier as an offensive lineman to drop step and just take a guy who's bull rushing you. Now, if that guy's powerful, if he's a Tommy Harris, I mean, you're, you're in for a long day. You better pack a lunch. But, you know, those those powerful defensive tackles are few and far between. But man, if you have to drop step and slide, regardless of who that guy is, I mean, if he's and I think Neville Gallimore is pretty good. Yeah, I think Neville Gallimore, I mean, if he if they wanted to they put back on the weight and be a bull rushing guy, he's not going to be Tommy Harris. But I think he's going to be pretty good. But man, you you got a guy with his power and you make him faster where he's going to shoot that gap and now you have to drop step and slide to to cut him off. You're going to see Neville Gallimore make more plays in the backfield as a as a guy who shoots the gap than you would have seen him as a bull rushing defensive tackle. I like that. I am in favor of that. I am a fan of that. Please give me more. So that's the fifth storyline. And I, I think that's where that's where this, when we talk about the defensive turnaround, it's going to start up front. It's going to start with that front seven. Now with, with the absence of Caleb Kelly, you know, they're, they're, that's still any man's guess at, at the linebacker position. There, There's options there. We've written about them at heartland-sports.com. You can go online and read them. But the reality is we don't know. No one really knows what the end result is going to be with this linebacking core. No one really knows the, the true answer of how they're going to replace a guy like Caleb Kelly, but they do have options and, and they honestly, they have more options at linebacker than they do on the defensive line where that's just like a, a who's who of guys who have left the program or who are out with injury, which is why Jordan Kelly's injury was just horrendous. But it's going to start on the front seven. That's where the overhaul starts. And I know people, oh, they're screaming. The secondary, the secondary. Yeah, I, I already talked about the secondary. I get it. But you'd be surprised at how much better a secondary can get with some technique training 
and a good front seven. That gives a quarterback two to two to two and a half seconds to throw the ball as opposed to three as opposed to three and four seconds to throw the ball. That makes a world of difference. And we'll, we'll see that play out this fall, I believe. Well, let's talk about one more thing that uh, coming from spring practice, one more thing that could kind of change this up a little bit. Um, by the way, if you're used to the one hour podcast, um, typically, you know, we, we uh, when we do our podcast, we kind of get a minute's breakdown of who talks, how many minutes. And, and I typically dominate that conversation. You know, I'm sure that shocks you if you're an ongoing listener to this podcast. I'm usually uh, 30 to 40 minutes in, in talk time. Rich is usually 20 to 25 minutes in talk time. So since I'm flying solo, you're probably going to get closer to the 30 to 40 minutes, which means if you're trying to catch us on a one-hour drive time, download us and take us with you. Um, hey, man, you, there's lots of uh, good radio stations you can listen to. Get, get your jam on, get your groove on uh, while you're finishing this up. Hey, what, what I want to talk about, though, um, in the finale with this podcast, and uh, um, one other thing to consider is that there are some guys that are not yet on campus that it really could shake some things up with the way things stand. Now, I, I don't think anything – I really don't think anything settled on the defensive side of the ball. I don't. Um, you know, I, I there's there's talent there. There's experience there. But um, talent and experience often needs direction. And if talent and experience cannot take direction, then it's just talent and experience. And and so these guys are shaping together. They're they're molding. They're, they're forming who they're going to be with 11 strong. That said, Jaden Davis and Woody Washington, two four-star cornerbacks that are coming to campus in June and will be here this fall, they're they're gonna they're gonna play a factor in this. I don't I don't think anybody came away from the scrimmage Friday night and said, yeah, those cornerbacks are locked in. That that's who we want. I think you want the defensive coaches. You want you want Alex Grinch giving these guys a a long hard look. You, you don't want – I mean, uh, Oklahoma fans will be okay if spring practice ends and, and walking off the field. If Lincoln Riley were to say – walking off the field, if, if he were to say, yeah, J- Jalen Hurts is our starting quarterback, no doubt about it. There's not – I don't think any Oklahoma fans would object to that based on what we saw, based, based on what we've heard about Jalen Hurts, what we've read about Jalen Hurts, and then what we saw from Jalen Hurts. If, if Lincoln Riley walks off the field and says he's our starting quarterback, there's no doubt about it. Oklahoma fans are okay with that. They are fine. But what if Lee Riley walks off the field after Friday night and says, oh, yeah, partner on Mountlands, no doubt about it, he's our starting corner. He's going to be anchoring one side of the defense for us. Are you going to be okay with that? I mean, he's, he's going to be a senior, right? He's been in the program longer than anybody else in that position. Are you okay with him being the starting corner right at this point? I, I, I think if you are, you're very much in the minority here. There are a lot of people that want to see this play out. And when Jaden Davis and Woody Washington get on campus, it's going to play out and there are going to be factors in it. Those are guys that are coming in that can shake some things up. I don't think the offensive line is settled. I said that at the top of, of the podcast, uh, RJ Proctor is coming to campus, a, trans, a graduate transfer from Virginia. I believe he will start. And he can play tackle or guard. Whoever's the weakest link of those of those five, then we know it's not Creed Humphrey. So really, whoever the weakest link is amongst the four, they know it. 
and they're going to work their tails off this summer. And R.J. Proctor better be working his tail off because you don't just slide into Bill Biedenboe's system. You don't just slide into a starting role with Bill Biedenboe. You come in and you earn it. But R.J. Proctor, based on what he has um, experienced and, and what he's done at Virginia, he's going to come in and he's going to be a, he's going to be a game changer. He's going to shake that up a little bit. And as to which person he, he ends up shaking out of there, I don't know. But guys like, I mean, I, I look, it, people say it can't be this simple, but it is. It really is. It really is this simple. Guys like Jalen Hurts don't leave Alabama and come to Oklahoma to be a backup. And a guy like R.J. Proctor doesn't leave Virginia to come to Oklahoma to be a backup. A guy like R.J. Proctor, a guy like, like Jalen Hurts, they, they look at that, what they've accomplished. They look at who they are as an athlete. And they look at where they're going. And the goal for every athlete, every 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 player in college football, everybody who's good, who's a star-level athlete, their goal is to have a shot at the NFL. And for Jalen Hurts, it came, it came, became a choice of do I have a better shot in the NFL making good first-round money? Do I have a better shot being to, to his backup at Alabama or coming to Oklahoma? Winning this job and leading this offense. That's a no-brainer. Oklahoma is Jalen Hart's best shot at the NFL. There's not a lot of people bragging about Virginia football. Now, they won their bowl game. It was the Belk Bowl, I believe. But there's not a lot of people just bragging about Virginia football. There's a lot of people bragging about Oklahoma football, particularly the offensive line. When you look at what this line has accomplished under Bill Biedenboe, the guys that have been in the NFL, the guys that have won national awards, the offensive line as a whole won the national award. Being the best, the best national, the best offensive line in the nation. You're trying to improve your draft stock as an offensive lineman as a graduate transfer. Coming to Oklahoma is a no-brainer. But see, here's the thing about guys with that mentality. They're not coming here to slide in. They're not coming here thinking they've earned this. They're coming here and they're working their tails off because they want to play in the NFL. And the guy like R.J. Proctor, who's highly decorated, highly motivated, highly talented, is not going to come in here and just kind of float around. Dude's coming to play. So those four guys outside of Creed Humphrey, those four guys that are new on this offensive line, they're, they're going to be looking over their shoulders because R.J. Proctor is coming and he's going to be shaking some things up. That's just the way it is. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com, on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Give us a follow. All right, so let's wrap it up, wrap up the podcast here. Um, we got to talk about some spring sports. Um, you know, baseball, we'll start there. They lost two or three at Baylor. Third week in a row, they've won Friday night and lost Saturday and Sunday. Three consecutive conference losses. Sooner sitting at 6-6 six and six right now in Big 12 play in middle of the pack. They're really tied for like fourth place with three other teams. But uh, one of those teams being Texas Tech, who already has uh, – um, not Texas Tech. Is it Texas Tech? I can't remember. No, I can't remember. I don't have the stats in front of me. But they're in the three-way tie for fourth place. And one of those teams has a tiebreaker over them because they're one of the teams that took two or three. Oh, it's West Virginia. Was it West Virginia? I don't know. I'm going to stop talking about the Big 12 baseball standings because I don't have them in front of me. Here's what I do know. Oklahoma's taking a five-game break, a five game break from conference play. Sooner stepping out of conference play. They're going to host uh, – they're going to play at Oral Roberts. 
before going to Minnesota to play a three-game set against the Gophers over the weekend. Then they have another midweek game before they go to Kansas State. That Kansas State series in Manhattan will be huge for Oklahoma. Huge. Because at 6-6, six and six, you're treading water. You're, you're barely above water. If you if you can get past, if you can take that series, better yet, if you can sweep that series, suddenly you go from six and six to nine and six in conference play, and you're looking pretty good. You're looking pretty good. That, that buys you more time, and that's what Oklahoma needs is they need more time. But the good news is they're still they're still great on pitching. Their Oklahoma's pitching is good. It's the best pitching that uh, certainly Skip Johnson's had in his two years. But I would say it's the best pitching that's been around Oklahoma in, in, in four or five years, collectively, as a whole. But they've got to find the bats, man. They've, they've got to get it going. And, and I don't know what it is about this team that where they can slug away on Friday nights and then Saturday and Sunday, they just struggle. And it's maybe, maybe I mean, it could be as simple as the way that the opposing teams are pitching them. I don't think it is. I think it's mental. And as long as it's mental, that means you have the chance to break out of it. Uh, walk across, uh, we, we determined seven-minute walk from the baseball uh, diamond to the softball field. Oklahoma swept Kansas on the road in Lawrence. Didn't give up a single run all weekend long. Swept, swept the Kansas Jayhawks, blanked them Friday night, Saturday, and, and Sunday. No midweek game for the Sooners on, on the softball diamond this week, but a huge series, huge series in Austin, Texas, this coming weekend against the Texas Longhorns. Many people believe that the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma State Cowgirls will be the ones to give Oklahoma the biggest um, the biggest threat this year to, to uh, break in the, the, the chain of seven consecutive conference titles. This is a big one. Uh, a new coach for the Longhorns, Mike White, formerly at Oregon. A lot of people know that Melissa Lombardi left Oklahoma to become the next head coach at Oregon that they fail to recognize the reason why Melissa Lombardi and think about Oregon. If you're, if you follow softball, you know that they are a regular, they are a regular in Oklahoma city for the women's college world series. Oregon dominated the PAC 12 made regular appearances in Oklahoma city. And oftentimes they came in as the number one overall seed. That guy, the coach that led all that is now the head coach at Texas. He's going to need some time, kind of like we talked about Alex Grinch. He's going to need some time to change some things to get the system the way and the, the, the roster the way he wants it. But still, Mike White, Patty Gasso, two coaches who are very familiar with one another from the national scene. Now they get to play each other on the conference level. It's going to be a fun weekend. If you get a chance, you need to tune in to Oklahoma football. Oh, man, we got to close out. I got a minute and a half. Let me just tell you real fast. Oklahoma City Thunder playoff loss to the Portland Trailblazers. By the time you uh, get this podcast, it'll be time for game two. Uh, oh, game two, you know, look, here's the thing. Is that game two, uh, you, they're behind the eight ball. They, they only had to win one of two in Portland. I mean, you have that going for you. That's still in front of you. When you whenever you don't have home court advantage, you only got to win one. So you take either game one or game two, but here's the thing. You get to game two, and now you're a must-win because you dropped game one. And I hear Oklahoma fans, a lot of Oklahoma fans saying, Oklahoma City fans, I got I to be specific on that. I hear a lot of Oklahoma City fans say, oh, but you know what? We only lost by five. Paul George had a terrible game, and we only lost by five. Worst three-point three shooting in playoff history. But we only lost by five. So we're we're in a good spot. And, and I see that side. I you know, I see that side. But I would say my concerns with that is CJ McCollum didn't play great. They had a great start, great first quarter. Damian Lillard didn't play great, had a really good first quarter, was average throughout. 
Enos Cantor. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm saying, yeah, you, you, you didn't shoot well from three. And Paul George had a terrible, terrible game. But you let, you let Enos Cantor dominate you. That's cause for concern. That is absolutely cause for concern. And like I said, you only got to win one or two on the road to start out series. That's the good news. But the bad news is suddenly Tuesday night becomes must win. And, and we, we know I said it, and I guess I get, I get labeled as the hater. But prove me wrong. Prove me otherwise. This team, this Oklahoma City team led by Russell Westbrook, they don't handle pressure well. They do not handle pressure well. And they've got pressure. I mean, you go back to Utah series last year, first round, you go back to that series. What happened when the pressure came on? And Oklahoma City won that first game. And the Utah series, they won the first game. But the minute the pressure got there, they buckled up and Russell Westbrook melted down. Is he different? Has he changed? That's what we're going to learn as this playoff series moves forward. And then again, I get it what you're saying about Paul George. I get it. But man, if his shoulders are that bad, is one day's rest going to fix that? I don't know. We'll find out. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, taking a ride with me. Next week, we'll be back with Rich DeCray. Back to a full one-hour episode. But thanks so much for being a part of it. I'm Matt Hofeld, heartland-sports.com, where you can find us. Find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Have a great week wherever it takes you. Boomer Sooner.